Subtext and Discourse. My name is Michael Dooney, Director of Jarvis Dooney Gallery Berlin. Today I'm happy to introduce an interview I did with German photographer Torsten Schumann, who was recently exhibited together with David Shakura in a 2018 summer show. I've known Torsten for a few years now, though I can't exactly remember when we met. However, if you regularly visit the Berlin galleries which focus on photography, chances are you know Torsten as well. He's as much a passionate viewer and fan of photography as he is dedicated to his own craft and artistic output. Though I'd heard he was active as a photographer, it wasn't until our postcard salon at the beginning of this year when I was introduced to his work. Seeing his book More Cards, Clothes and Cabbages was when I really became intrigued by his aesthetic and approach. So without further ado, I present Dawson Schumann sharing insight into his photography and unique perspective of the world. I guess maybe let's just start from the beginning, like tell us a bit about your backstory and how you came to be where you are now with what you're doing. I mean, it's always a bit funny if I would like to say something about childhood connected to photography because I don't feel like I started in childhood. I think photography started for me much later. Mm -hmm. Like after I went to high school, I started studying as an engineer, but I could notice that all that technical thinking about yeah, very abstract technical things. I felt there needed to be a balance inside of me. And I looked it, uh, looked for something which could give me a balance. And I thought, okay, arts might be good. Visual arts might be yeah. a good thing to do. And I experienced or tried three or four different medias like lithography mm-hmm. and sculpturing and silk screen printing. Ah, yeah, okay. But finally, I ended up with photography again. Like, I did the second course in, like, it was a place in Dresden where it was easy to attend a course for less money. Mm -hmm. And I really got into photography. I'm wondering why, but I think because photography means for me to allow myself to be playful with things. Yeah. And also to to give my curiosity a little sense. Like, it doesn't make sense to just look for some strange things in the city. Yeah. But if I have a reason for that, it so it was easier for me to have a reason to be curious, to look at things. And now I come back to the childhood because after a long while, I noticed maybe it even started in the age of four or five years that I'm interested in visual in pictures, mm-hmm. I remember still that I sat on the floor of my grandma's flat and she had some postcards, but she, I don't know what the English word, knitting, not knitting, if she stitches yeah. around. So or sewing, maybe. Sure, she, she sewed around the edges of the postcards and she made an album, like postcard, one postcard with the back oh, to right, the other stitched together, yeah. She stitched it around the edges together to an mm-hmm. album. Yeah. She had about 10 or 15 of them. I sat on the ground and flipped page by page. And I was so surprised to see some mountains with a lake and some snow in the background. Yeah. And I thought it doesn't exist. But okay, it's a postcard. So it, people taught me this exists, but not here in East Germany. Yeah. Okay. So I thought, okay, the world is large. It was, it made me curious about it. Yeah. And maybe this was also a point. The starting point to look at pictures, yeah. Ah, okay. So, I guess that was after then that you were 
experimenting with lithography or with sculpture? No, this was as a little child. Oh, right, as a child, this you had that very little child, like yeah. five years, I guess. So it was just a memory. I, it came back to me after a long time. In the meanwhile, I already sold all that albums on the flea market, and yeah. now I'm very angry about myself why I sold it. But but you had then. Let me try and think how old you would have been then in 1989. I guess you would have been a teenager then. I was 14 when the wall came down, and also I think it had a large influence to my life in a way to see in the age of 14, like as a teenager, everything is uncertain anyway, to yeah. find the own way to start rebellion against parents and against everything. Mm-hmm. It's very important for a youngster, I guess. Everything is quite unstable, everything changes, so rebellion was not as much inside of me, I think, because it was more like not annoying to the parents and to... So I think I kept my rebellion and I still like to have it a little bit inside of me, Yeah. even now. And also it was important to see how, how fast things can change. So what is reality? What people tell us? Is, is that truth? Oh, is that the truth? My English is not so good. That's good. God, Austin, that's nice. But, yes, so I think I've learned at least a little bit from that to to ask questions about everything, to look at things, but not to take them as they are, as normal, yeah. but still to ask, why is it like that? Yeah. Even some normal, normal things in brackets, like, I still think, is it normal? Yeah. Only because we are used to do it all the time and every day, but is it normal or what, what is normal? It's interesting, I think, how you explain it then, that you, like the reunification of the country and mm. everything you knew to be a reality mm-hmm. changed at the same time. Mm-hmm. And it, it changed during your teenage years and that's kind of when we're mm. testing our boundaries and finding out what's what, yeah. what's real, what isn't real. Yeah. And everything you knew up until that point, it's like... Now, none of it makes any sense. And I guess when you're saying about the postcards that you saw as a child, it's like, well, mm. there's a photograph of this. It must mm-hmm. exist somewhere, but mm-hmm. there's no way for me to find out and see where it is. Mm. Mm. Um, I read in one of the other interviews with you that you you did an exchange program. You went to Australia at some stage. Like, was this yes, like later or earlier? It was directly, or it was during high school, and I was very happy to be able to go there, like in the age of... 14, I was not, or 15, I was not ready for that. No. So I was still... I guess still adjusting yeah, to but Germany becoming one country. In the age of 17, I had the strong feeling I need to go away from here. Mm-hmm. And I really wanted to leave, to go somewhere else, to see something. But you know, like my parents didn't have enough money, and I have three brothers, or two brothers and one sister, and mm-hmm. so... I tried to write some sponsoring letters to many companies, but no result. But my parents yeah. could see that I really wanted to do this. Yeah. So some friends of them helped. Oh, but nice. I could go away to, like for 10 months, I went to Melbourne. Oh, cool. Which yeah. was one of the best times of my life. Yeah. And that's where I learned some English. And I'm surprised because it's not so good still, <laughs> but I'm not so good in languages. But I've learned it in Australia. Oh, because really? before yeah, nice. that, I couldn't speak a whole sentence. Really? Wow. In English, yeah. And it was 1993, 1994, a long time ago. Wow. Have you been back since? Sorry? Have you been back to Melbourne since? Just or? once, in 2009, for one month, and it was great. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. That's Over cool. Christmas, and it was also the wedding of my host sister. And 
Oh, yeah. so you're still in contact with the family? Yes, I'm still in contact. Yeah. I mean, now it's my go. I need to, I always have a little bad feeling because I would like to write to them, but I, yeah, I should do it tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe today. Yeah. Um, how did that experience and influence how you make your photos and how you're approaching visual art? Was that a big impact on how you, how you see and look around? Also, because it was another point, like in the age of 14, and then again, when I went to Australia, so yeah, world is large. There are so many realities, so many different styles of life, and I could notice, at least in the family and the friends I, I've made there, life was much different from the life in the, I mean, that is such a contrast. Yeah. I mean, I'm just thinking, I mean, cause I'm a bit, I'm a little bit younger, but still, I think I would have been like 10 or 11. When mm-hmm. 19, like when the reunification mm-hmm. and everything mm-hmm. happened, so I was too young. I mean, already in Australia, so it's already mm-hmm. like another world to me. Mm-hmm. But as a child, like you're not understanding when people are on the television, like smacking down the Berlin Wall or anything. Mm-hmm. But you were like, that would have been a huge thing. But then to go to Australia, like really the opposite side of the world, like that would have been, I mean, especially as a teenager, like if you're there kind of in your 17 mm-hmm. or 18 years old. And it was also my first flight in my life. So I never flew. And yeah. the flight to Australia was actually my first flight. Oh, really? <laughs> and I could see the little lights down and I thought, oh, the little houses, now we are in the air. But yeah. I, after it, I noticed the plane didn't even take, up, take off. Yeah. So it was the little lights of the, of the, run- oh, the runway. runway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But then, so you had 10 months in Australia. Nice. That's yes, really yes, cool. yes. So when you came back, because you didn't immediately go into photography, so I guess you came back and then you did no, your came back like for abitur, or you, you did my yeah abitur like the VCE or what it's called like that. Yeah, I'm trying to think what the English word is now. Mm. Like you know when you start working, I suppose, or when you do yes, like an apprenticeship then, or something. And I studied mechanical engineering for one year, then interrupted for. During that time, we needed to go to the army, but if in case we didn't want to, and I didn't want to, definitely. So I did some civilian oh, service yeah, civilian in the hospital. Things, yeah. In my case, I just transported blood. Uh, yeah, the, yeah, whatever. So some community service. Oh, but you were working in a hospital, like transporting. Yes, yes. I guess bags of blood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that was just for the. It's a year, just, isn't it? That you guys do it. It's not like not now in Germany. I don't think it exists like that anymore. But really. Yeah, during that time, it was just for one year. So I interrupted my studies and then I came back to the study and yeah. I went for the workshops with lithography and mm-hmm. photography. Oh, okay. And then that's kind of when you were yeah, reintroduced. It was also the time to, yeah, I was much into black and white photography during that time. And I like to travel to Poland a lot because mm-hmm. it was like going backwards in time again. Like when I went to Krakow, I loved the city during that time. Yeah, I love Krakow. I've only been my, and I've been a couple of times. Mm. Krakow is amazing. I guess so from that time, yeah, you started your abitur, you did mechanical engineering, you had mm. the, mm-hmm. I mean, it's not a gap year, is it? You're working, it's like civil service that you do instead of joining the army. But then after that, I guess you yeah, were working. I kept there. going, studying, and I finished my studies, yeah. And then I worked as a, like in wood proceduring. I went far away from Dresden, from mm-hmm. Dresden, like the area I lived in. It was like a student's place, very, very alternative place and very nice. And then, then I went to the mountains next to Luxembourg. It's called Eiffel, somewhere okay. next to Cologne and oh, yeah. the Ruhrgebiet, yeah. Yeah. Uh, south of Ruhrgebiet. 
but it was very remote. And there I also noticed the hard life of working as a trainee. Like in this time, it was always dark outside because it was winter time. Yeah. No people around. I didn't have a cartoon that time. Mm -hmm. And we worked about 10 hours a day, at least, I guess. Yeah. And I felt there's something missing in my life. And I came back to photography to, yeah, during the weekend to also live a little bit of rebellion because I could see all the very clean houses in some places. Yeah. And the tidiness. And somehow there was something I needed to take pictures of that. Yeah. And that was a starting point in photography again for me. In then I took color pictures. I mean, I don't like talking about technical stuff, but mm -hmm. if you were working with black and white, I guess you were shooting analog. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I shoot analog. Also, I shoot black, uh, color pictures analog during those days. But then Just in 2005, I think, when I started again, I took already digital pictures. Okay. Yeah, I was just thinking actually mm. what time frame it would have been. Yeah. So 2005, that was kind of when you were... Yeah, especially 2007, there were the first shows in Trier, where I'm actually going on Tuesday again for a solo show. Mm -hmm. But there it was like the starting point to see, okay, it's also possible to show my pictures, to present it. Yeah, did you think about that before then? Because I suppose as yeah. a child, when you're making things, you don't mm -hmm. think, oh, I'll have an exhibition or I'll make a book. You just, you just enjoy the process. Yeah. One time we did a quite large group, like a group exhibition in Dresden. So we hired an empty place mm -hmm. and we organized everything. And there was almost every day some special program. Yeah. So many people came there because of the programs, not even because of the photos. But it was very nice to organize, and I could see how much work to, is it to organize something. Yeah. Like that. But I also enjoyed to organize things. Yeah, I mean, it's good bringing mm. people together as well, like yeah, creating yeah, yeah, yeah. experiences. Also like a brunch when many people came and they all brought their own things. Mm -hmm. And so people get to know to each other. Yeah. It was very nice. And were you still based in Dresden at the time? Yes, it was during my studies. During your studies, okay. Yeah. And when did you shift then from... When did you come to Berlin, actually? To Berlin, I came 2010. Oh, okay. Only. Yes. Oh, then only. It's almost yeah, eight yeah. years ago now. Yeah, yeah. It? yeah. <laughs> Time runs. <laughs> and then I worked here in a roofing company. Like so was that like an extension of your previous training? No, it was or? different, so different company years. because the company closed at that place yeah so i worked at three different companies yeah but it was the same industry like was it mecha not, guess, mechanical really. engineering or? yeah it was same like technical things but completely different the one was first wood materials then i worked for a researcher in paper technologies and then finally in plastic materials oh okay wow. so it's also quite untypical also i worked in health and safety yeah environmental things and then when did you think, okay, well, I want to do, like, because you do, your photography is almost, not full-time, but you do a lot of other, you're working within the field, I think, a lot now. Like, yeah, rather yeah than only, I think only in the field of photography right now. Yeah. Like, from 2014 on, I only do personal projects and have some little jobs to survive somehow. Yeah. Do you work as a photographer as well? Like, do you do commissions and things? Uh, I'm little afraid of bending. I say bending. Maybe it's not the right word in English, but to spoil my few 
ah, yeah. in a different direction. Like, I don't like to take pictures as people expect, expect me to do it. Like, I yeah. cannot do that. <laughs> I mean, maybe I could, but I appreciate if people ask me to take a commission in my way. Then I say, yeah. okay, yes. If it's really, if I'm free to do what I like to do, I can do that. Yeah. And so I was happy about Zeit magazine. Yeah, no, that's a really nice so, picture. Which was nice because it's, it was only the pictures I all, already made. Mm -hmm. That's differently. But to do some commission, maybe I should do it. I'm still thinking about it because it's yeah. not easy to earn some money beside of doing the photography. Yeah, exactly. Because you mostly work then as the... I mean, I use the German word Kashirung. It's mounting. So you mount yeah, mounting. Yeah. yeah, it's yeah, like a, yeah. Is, it a, is it a picture framers or is uh It's not framing, but mounting like to connect the photographical print with aluminum debond or with cardboard, or museum cardboard. Yeah. So it's some very specialized thing to do. And I really appreciate to, to flirt that and to work in that field. I mean, I guess part of the motivation for doing that was through your own photography, because you're still yeah. very hands-on then, aren't yes, you? Like, from all the other fields, mm -hmm. it was always... not. I mean, I guess it's a kind of manual work where you need to get in there with your hands mm -hmm. and do mm -hmm. stuff. And I like that, yeah. I like to do some manual things. I also enjoyed to learn bookbinding with Nico Baumgarten. Like, yeah. he taught us in a workshop how to do that, and I really liked... Oh, I really like to do something with my hands. Yeah. Have you done any, I know you got the book that you did with pepperoni books, but have you done, have you done any self-publishing or made any of your own books? Uh, kind of, but it was more like a dummy. So it stood like a dummy with just a few copies of the dummy. Oh, okay. So yeah. I made them myself, but it, I didn't keep going with that because I would like to publish this work. Like it's called Off Key, Off Keel. Mm -hmm. It's actually a side project in black and white and analog. I've only seen a little bit of this, actually. Oh, like, yeah, a little I should bit have thought it. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. But yeah, so I read then that you're also making a book out of this project. Like, how did this one start? Because it's quite... I mean, I can see how it's connected to your other mm -hmm. work, mm -hmm. but okay, it's in black and white, so obviously aesthetically it's different to your colour work, but it also, I think, maybe because of that, it feels a bit more raw. Yeah, it, I think it's like the colour pictures are still quite more in order. Like, everything has... It's place and They're it's much more, more precise, cons maybe. constructed, or I wouldn't say constructed, but more, more. It's like to it. Not as <laughs> I, I wouldn't say they are very chaotical, the color pictures, but the black and white one sometimes seems a little bit rough and chaotical. A bit more lively still. It's, and it's not like in the, the other one, it's not in a bad way. Yeah, same yeah, like yeah. the other ones. The other yeah, ones yeah, are yeah. very, like, they're very considered and mm -hmm. like you're taking the time and they're very thoughtful and it's like, as a result, when people look at the images, you can also really appreciate the time that it's taken you to find that image or to mm. find that moment because other people haven't seen it. So you kind of highlighted it. But with the off keel, mm -hmm. it's, they're all, you take them all at night as well, don't you? Like most of it's night images. Or? It's almost true night. Like I change my cameras during daytime, still yeah. the, like the color pictures and during mm -hmm. nighttime, I take out the little analog camera. Yeah. Recently, I changed also to color pictures. I just want to try something new. Mm -hmm. I would like to. Well, I started to take color pictures in nighttime. Oh, for the off key or just yeah, a different project? For different project, maybe I can combine it. I don't think too much in projects. It's more like oh, yeah, I would like to take pictures and rather collect the pictures. And I don't think in advance why I take a picture. Mm -hmm. 
I it's more in, intuitive. Yeah, intuitively. intuitively. Yeah. I think it's the same I, word in German, isn't it? Intuitive. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and later on, I looked to the pictures and like, yeah, I would like to. Yeah. No, I've lost what I wanted to say. But my for a while, I took part in workshops with Wolfgang Surborn. He's one of my my main photography tutor teacher. Yeah, I guess. And he's so saying like, listen to the photographs, and that's what I'm also do. Maybe because of that, I also looked for him as as a teacher, mm-hmm. or I found him as a good teacher for me. But it's still my approach to take the pictures and then to listen to the photographs. Yeah. And only the photographs which speak to me, where I can feel something special in it. Only these photos I will choose and then I will combine it with other pictures. Yeah. I guess you don't work with a tripod or anything. You have the camera, you're no, walking no. around, you see anything. I don't like tripods <laughs> for my work because it's. I feel like it's a corset, like I have something which... I don't feel free with a tripod, and I would like to feel free. Yeah, but I think just but looking at the images, they're so they're just so well. Like everything is, is everything is in its right place in every picture, and it's almost like it's you've come, you like you've choreographed the whole thing. But like I, this yeah. should go here, and that should go there. But I think it's because I really look to the pictures, and sometimes they are very in a in a split seconds or it, in a split. How do how do you say? Just in a very short moment, I yeah, took the picture. Second. Yeah. And so I didn't think about it, but afterwards I see, okay, that picture is somehow good. Mm-hmm. It works for myself. It yeah. speaks to me. So I don't like to construct the images. So I like to do it very fast. Usually I mm-hmm. noticed the first picture is mostly the best one. Yeah. Sometimes I, I take the yeah. first one and then sometimes I take a whole row of pictures. But very often the first one is the best one. Yeah, no, I agree. It's like mm. instinctually you grab yeah, it yeah, with the right yeah, image yeah. at the start, and then as soon as you, mm. as soon as you're consciously acting on it, mm. then mm. everything else comes into it gets in the way. And also, I take I like to take pictures of people. Yeah, sometimes people also ask me why I take the pictures. But also, if I don't take pictures of people, if I just take a picture of a very strange dark corner, mm-hmm. people even come into the corner and look. What are you doing there? <laughs> yeah. And so sometimes it's strange because I'm in my own, it's like in a flow, but in in my inner world, somehow in my own cosmos, or I don't like to interact sometimes with the people as much because I'm just in my inner mood. Yeah. Sometimes I feel a little disturbed if people start to talk to me and I don't want to get into a long conversation sometimes. So recently I just tell them I'm an artist, I look for some nice colors, look here in that yeah. very dirty corner, look at that nice colors of the dirt, but people don't understand usually. <laughs> uh, yeah, sometimes they make even a fun out of it, but I also do, like sometimes I tell them, oh, there was just a squirrel. Yeah. <laughs> they just look at me. Their eyes get a little bit wider, then they look around, look at me again, and mainly they walk off then. Yeah, it's like, okay, this crazy guy. Or they even ask, really? (laughs) Yeah, show me where. In the middle of the city, but sometimes there is. Yeah. I ask squirrels around. Yeah, I've seen, like, yeah, you see foxes. I mean, I've seen them in Mitter as well, like, you'll Mm. see a fox Mm. walking down the street. It's like, that's kind of, that's strange, but whatever. (laughs) It's like, (laughs) it does happen. But people understand this one more. 
like if there's a squirrel for sure it's a reason to take a picture exactly yeah. so it's one answer which is okay enough to or it's fair enough to yeah, yeah have an answer but then they're satisfied it's mm. like, okay you can keep taking pictures yeah how um <clears throat> i guess how long then do you i mean i know you said you don't work in series but then when you're when you're active walking around taking images how long does it take from from that point to the picture being finished I don't yeah. know, do you like pin them up on the wall or do you have like a special do you keep them in a folder in your computer that, okay these ones are ones i have to look mm-hmm. back at and like how do you mm-hmm. how do they marinate <laughs> in the way how i work i'm still trying to experiment a lot like i like to experiment what's the best way for me yeah. which, which is the best way how it works but in past or for a long time, and I still do it, I take the pictures mm-hmm. and then the pictures still stay on my camera on the little card. Oh, okay. Sometimes for a long time until the card is full. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it stays there for, for months. Oh, really? Okay. And I just let them in the camera and once the card is full, I just download them mm-hmm. and some weeks later, maybe if I find the mood or the time, I just flip through them. And I make the pre-selection, then I print them, and then there's another pre-selection. So it's step yeah. by step, at least four or five selection steps in between. Yeah. Yes, but the thing is, like for me, it works to don't have emotional connection or the memory to the moment as much anymore as I would do it in the same day or the day after. Yeah. So I need to have some time distance. No, I think that's important. I mean, I know the same from... Because we shoot less film now, you don't mm. have the time between taking it and getting it mm. developed, mm. having mm. a few days to forget what you took photos of, and then looking at it fresh. Mm-hmm. But I think that's a nice approach, having them on the memory card, yeah, and then waiting until the card's full, and then look at the pictures, because otherwise you get home, and I'll download them, and I'll look at them today. At least it works yeah. for me, but everyone does it in a different way, and as I don't do commissions, as you just asked, yeah. so there's not really some important very urgent pictures on it I need to see yeah. in the same moment mm, I went recently I went to Palermo for residency there yeah, it was, was much different yeah, yeah. how was that because you had one month wasn't it yeah one month and it was there was another system it worked out to do it weekly like one oh, week okay, of shooting yeah. after one week to select or one day of selection mm-hmm. and then to condense or to make it more dense, like to find the good pictures, but then there are some more selection steps after. Yeah. So just maybe we can just take a step back. How did the Palermo come about? Because it was a residency. I think you were the first artist that they posted as part of the artist residency. Yes, they just started the opportunity for the residency with an open cow. And as I never was or never succeeded in my applications for residency, I also thought, okay, I cannot just tell I would like to go there and I will see what, what's around. So yeah. I thought about a project and I found a project about the wool plant, which is like the original plant, which is very strange word, but it was established by Johann Wolfgang von Goethe. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't want to mention this one too much, but it was the thing. It popped up, up once I read something about Palermo. I thought, okay, that sounds very surreal. Mm-hmm. That that guy, he thought, okay, there is does a plant exist somewhere which combines every detail which a plant 
possibly could have mm -hmm. like every different eigenschaft. I don't know the word. Oh, every different property. Property or yeah. something, yeah. So many different flowers, many different roots and cells, everything. Oh, okay. So Goethe thought, okay, this plant might exist, a plant where every plant comes from, mm -hmm. which is, yeah, okay. Now we have hundreds of years later, but he thought it might exist, then he doesn't, or he came to the conclusion it doesn't exist, but mm -hmm. once he went to Palermo, he was sure to find this plant in the botanical garden of Palermo. Ah, really? Okay. But just for some days, after some days, he thought, okay, no, it's just a model. Yeah. I also think photography is a model. It's two-dimensional and it doesn't show reality, mm -hmm. but it makes you think about something. Yeah. Think about something more which isn't then, which isn't the frame. So same as the warplan might make you think about many different options, many different things, but it's a model. And so I wrote some application for that and I was very happy to go to Palermo yeah. to look for the ur plant. But I also <laughs> told them, no, I don't take pictures of plants as much and of architecture. I just want to find the feeling of the ur plant to combine many different, like Palermo, many different cultures are combined. And I also was surprised because it didn't feel like a contrast. So many different influences from history yeah. and cultures, but it all went along together. It was different, but it was just one thing. It was Palermo. Yeah, Like wow. in Berlin, there are some different cultures, but sometimes it feels like a contrast. And in Palermo, the contrasts came together and it was just one thing. But maybe because I don't have the distance, I was there just for one month. And in, in between of one month, I just have a little, little, slightly idea about the city. Yeah. But I love it. Yeah. I mean, you can, I mean, I know from different cities that you can, when you experience it and you go mm. around the different streets, you can feel like, okay, I'm in this area now, or this is how something mm. different. You mm. can feel either the cultural influence or the architectural influence or like historically why one area looks different to another. And certainly in Berlin, it does often feel like lots of little towns stuck together instead of one big city. Mm. But it's interesting that when you went to Palermo, that it kind of, does represent this ur plant like philosophically from what Guto described that it's this place that has a little piece of everything there mm, and it functions mm. as a whole like mm. it's a some kind of a gestalt that it mm. sort of all belongs together i think a nice kind of stepping up off point for starting the project mm. how is then um compared to how you would normally work how is the limit of time how did that affect you like having okay you got one month yeah to arrive mm -hmm. to discover to complete a project mm -hmm. So I was not used to work in this kind of projects, project yeah. thinking. And I was a little bit afraid to go there and to have a sort of, I felt a little pressure because I expected something of myself and mm -hmm. my friends there, they probably became friends. So <laughs> they also expected to like that. I will produce something for sure mm -hmm. for the final exhibition and for the artist talks and the, yeah. As I used to take pictures in more organized, little bit more tidy places. Yeah. It was, I was a bit afraid to go there, but once I was there, I felt very excited. And I think it's so important to have, for me, it, it's important to feel some resonance with the surroundings, with yeah. my inner emotions and things I see on the street. Mm -hmm. And there I was excited about everything. And yeah. once the excitement comes, the pictures come. Yeah. It's always when my inner mood 
comes together with something I see. So yeah, like the resonance. And I still thought, okay, how I take the pictures, but it, I didn't think too much. But afterwards I noticed, okay, it, I did it in the way that I just went closer to the objects. To yeah, the people. and I noticed even with yeah. what we showed here, like mm, the, like the picture in the back. Yes, with the dog and the yeah, definitely. Foot, like they come, yeah. So it's very close. Yeah, but you, yeah, exactly. That you're going into more detail now. Like the other ones, you had like there was a bit of a distance. Whereas mm, this time, mm. you're kind of focusing in on mm. like the different things that you're attracted to. And this also might be a good option to combine like the night photography where I always use, well, like I'll go closer because of mm -hmm. the flashlight and it's more directly. Yeah. And so I try to combine the black and white approach to the color pictures as well. I like ah, to okay. combine it a little bit. Yeah. To, yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. I didn't realize. That mm, that but it's more, sense. so I went closer and it's not as organized, not as straight lines anymore. Mm hmm. But they all come together like the little, maybe little absurd things, or I'm wondering what happens there. But it, I think even when we had like the different arrangement in the mm -hmm. space, you can see that they're, you can see that they're your photographs. Like they're still related, even though like you don't necessarily say they were taken in this place and they were taken at this time. Cause they're most, they're throughout Europe actually. Like you have lots in Germany, but then there's also ones in Prague and there's ones in Poland. These ones now in Italy. They all represent how you're seeing the world. And mm. I think even mm. how, like you've described that your process was different when you were there, that you're kind of getting in closer as well. You can kind of see, you can either see the development, but you can also see like images from 2009, next images from 2018. Yes. And you can see that you took them, like you can't, it wasn't mm. like, okay, this is two different projects, this is two mm. different people. Mm. It's like, no, this is kind of how it's organically developed over time, which I think is really nice. Mm. It's good to hear. Thanks. <laughs> Um, I mean, you made a zine when you were there, so you did make a book, but knowing now how you said that with your normal photography, normal, with your everyday approach to your, to, to your photographs, that you'll leave them on the, the memory card, you'll look at them in a few weeks and a few months and go back to them. With the work that you made in Palermo, is that still, um, like, is that still fermenting? Is it still kind of in your system thinking, okay, this is going to come out later on, I'll look at it again? Mm, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't think about it. So I think it's more like if I'm ready to look at the pictures, I have a look there. And if I yeah. feel like now I feel like I will, or I would like to choose some pictures. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know. It depends on even on the period of life or what going on around. Yeah. What's like right now I just wait and let them on the memory stick again. Yeah. But I also thought about how to present the work. And I, in future, I also would like to combine it with like some video work. Like actually in Palermo, I started a video. Oh, really? And now in Trier, I will combine the video with some installation. Oh, when you're going on Tuesday? Yes. Oh, cool. Okay. I didn't know. I knew um, you were doing like, it was a solo exhibition. It's and you a solo, yeah. Yeah. You were doing the way you present them always. Like you have, yes, a, yes. You have different sizes, mm -hmm. different locations throughout the space so that people mm -hmm. can, I guess people can experience people can experience your work the way that you make it so that you discover things in different places. At least that's what I want to try. Yes. Yeah, but I think it's important because we just, we're so used to seeing images presented in the kind of in a, a very classical traditional way that if you have to look up to see a photograph or crouch down to see a picture mm. in a space, so well, there's not, is there a rule that says you can't do it that way? Mm -hmm. 
Uh, it's interesting you said that the Palermo was, is that, was that the first residency that you've done? Yes, it was the first residency Palermo. And then and it was two or three months later, yes, you did another. <laughs> there was from International School of Photography in Kuldiga in Latvia, mm -hmm. which is a great opportunity to meet many photographers and great teachers and it's, it's a fantastic community. Was it similar to Palermo that you were making work there or it was more of a workshop? It was differently. It was, it was also not a workshop. It was a residency program parallel to the workshops which were held there. It was in the same time frame mm -hmm. but it was like a residency group. 12 people doing this residency. So mm -hmm. this was different as well and it was a much shorter period of Eight days, ten days, I don't even know, because it was very intense as yeah. well. And it was more like the themes we came up to sort out for ourselves and to ask the tutors. In that case, it was, again, Nico Baumgarten, then Federico Claverino, mm -hmm. and Nicola Polly from Yet Magazine. All ah, okay. great teachers, great guys. So it, yeah. I was very happy to be there to ask them for their opinion and yeah they helped me a lot in the way also to think about presentation of my work and i think i came up myself first with a book to show the pepperoni book mm -hmm. more cars clothes and cabbages to show it and i taught to them yes i would do it differently now because i think the playfulness is not in there as much as it might be in the pictures yeah and that was a starting point to think about presentation different presentations which might be more interactive or a little bit playful yeah and so i tried this to put up a puzzle but once people put together all the little puzzle pieces yeah. they stay in unsatisfaction or how do you say not they are not really satisfied yeah they'll be unsatisfied yeah. yeah because the picture itself it's like a deconstruction of reality already yeah so the puzzle parts themselves are are much more interesting maybe than the whole picture. Yeah. This is one and the memory game came up and an installation which is quite an experiment still. So I see I you're still it. working it out or? Yeah, I would like to, but I still think about it. And I think it's a good idea to play with the fear of being childish. Man, some people might fear to be too sh childish and mm -hmm. I put something up like you need to get up a ladder take some marbles and put it into a pipe, yeah. which was like quite organical. And then it made lots of sound <laughs> bumping, falling down the pipe. It made really lots of sound. Yeah. And it came, the marbles came out in the middle of a picture. There's also a pipe in the picture and it, they came out and dropped into a pink, pink bowl. Yeah. Which is on the picture already. Yeah. But so I doubled it, doubled the system <laughs> and it's more like, doing something which is not really, which actually doesn't make sense in our traditional way of thinking. Or even to go but to for children, like to that. do some fun, yeah. it makes sense. We do so many things which are just for having some fun. So why not being as silly to not expect to win something or to be competitive, like to puzzle is already competitive, mm -hmm. to, to reach an aim. Or the memory game is a little bit more competitive, like who's the winner, who, who solves it. Mm -hmm. But just taking some marbles, little four-year-old kids can do that and yeah. putting it somewhere in and enjoying when it comes out somewhere. And so I try to do this. Yeah. Um, and I might keep going with that work as well, but parallel to my 
traditional, like to the way I present my pictures. Yeah. But I also like to do some, to go more into sculptures, sculpture building something, mm -hmm. because that was one of my main interest in childhood as well. Yeah, maybe saying that, like, because at the start of the interview, mm. you were talking more about, yeah, I guess yeah. sculpture was a part of it. The, I mean, I don't know if the photography will come back into it, but even mm. the, I think the hands-on aspect as well, yeah. it, it yeah, seems yeah. it's really important. Yeah. So it's not just mm. the, you take the picture and then give it yeah. to somebody else to, yeah. sort of, to yeah. take care of, like mm -hmm. you're part of every single stage, like you mount the pictures mm -hmm. yourself, mm -hmm. you frame them, you yeah, carry them around, like you've, I guess, loaded up your trailer with all your prints ready to go to tree <laughs> now. I think I really appreciate as well, just from also having to design a space for every new exhibition, that that is a massive or it's a huge consideration for you as well. And that's really integral or that's a really significant part of how you present the work is how people experience the work. Mm. And you need to or you're somehow managing to bring people into your like way of seeing and mm. thinking about mm. the photographs by causing them to maybe play in the space and mm. kind of step out of their comfort zone. The, when you did the one with the marbles, how mm. did, did people react? Especially like adults. I mean, I can imagine children be like, this is great. Listen to the sound that it's making. This is amazing. But how did the adults like re I, respond? <laughs> I think I could hear the sound quite often. Like I put up or put it up in Kulga in the group show of the final exhibition of the ISSP. Yeah, period. Yeah. And I could hear the sound quite often. <laughs> but I looked for the other work because yeah. it was a very short time and I think I should keep going with those playful things. Or I would like to. I think it's also nice as well because too often, especially kind of in the fine art context, that we get so hung up on everything being serious. And if it's not serious, then it's, yeah, people don't see the same reason they don't see the same worth and it's like but no this is you know we can still appreciate things and we can still mm -hmm. like what's wrong with also enjoying something i think humor might be a good possibility to to open someone's interest like to just get into the interest but then if it's just humor i think something would be missing but there need to be some different layer to it yeah and so i like to combine more things it's not just funny I, I hope so I don't know but I think I like artworks where I can see some humor but it's just uh, like like cooking it's just some special ingredients mm -hmm. but it's not the whole thing yeah and I think that's a nice analogy mm -hmm. yeah if you just had if you just had a bag of salt then mm -hmm. we can do that <laughs> <laughs> might be interesting though <laughs> <laughs> Is that a good note to finish on? The bag of salt's funny. <laughs> <laughs> Let's stay with a bag of salt. Yeah. There's a good fairy tale about it, which I saw as a child. Like, because a daughter of a king, she said to his father, the king, Oh, I love you as all salt of the world. And because it was very insulting for the dead, because the mm -hmm. sisters all said as much gold and as much precious diamonds and stones. And she just mentioned salt, and so she was banned. Oh, really? And then they had food without salt, mm -hmm. and then everyone thought, okay, she might have been white, and then they looked for her. Oh, that's nice. Just some yeah. story I couldn't forget as a child. I hope you enjoyed listening to Dawson as much as I did speaking with him. I really appreciate his compassionate approach to image making and how he discovers the unusual, quirky, and serendipitous moments in life that many of us overlook or fail to notice. If you've not already, I'd recommend picking up a copy of his book, More Cards, Clothes and Cabbages, whilst you still have the chance. 
There are only a few copies left, and he isn't planning on publishing a second edition, preferring instead to focus on how he can incorporate the playfulness of his exhibition presentation and translate that experience into book form. The link to the publisher Pepperoni Books is linked below, and you can order it directly from them. The exhibition with Torsten and David was documented in 3D by Artland, so for those who missed out or weren't able to travel to Berlin, you can still experience the exhibition online in virtual reality. The images from the show are also on our website, and more images from Torsten are on his official homepage. Thanks again for listening to the second instalment of Subtext and Discourse with myself, Michael Dooney. Until the next episode, you're welcome to follow me on Twitter at MichaelDooney underscore and the other social media links below.